Hey folks, this is Dr. Rob, and welcome to Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction, a podcast brought to you by Seeking Integrity Treatment Programs and hosted by me and my sidekick, Tammy. Say hi, Tammy. Hi, Dr. Rob. Thank you. Our show provides useful answers to your most asked questions about cheating, betrayal, and addiction. Let's get started. My husband and I have been together six years, married for two. He has a long-standing porn fantasy masturbation addiction of some 20 plus years, which I discovered five months ago. Our sex life is so ailing that at its worst, we went over a year without having sex or being intimate when I was pregnant with our first and only child. Usually we go months between having sex and almost always at my behest and leaves me feeling undesired. I feel my sexuality has been stifled and denied in my sexual, I think there's another piece of this. Oh, I'm going to hit. Uh, yes, there was a continuation. So in my sexual prime 37, it, in his recovery plan, porn is inner circle behavior. He's directly addressing. We have content blockers on all of his devices, and he's going to a local 12-step SAA group and seeing a CBT therapist. Masturbation to erotic recall, however, is a middle circle behavior that he tracks, but makes no substantive effort to control. I told him, per the advice of a CSAT I've seen a few times, that if he doesn't give up masturbation fantasy, at least in early recovery, oh, shoot, there's more. Make these shorter, people. Well, I'll tell you what. I understand enough to comment. Okay, thanks. So to you, the spouse, I would say... um, why would you feel sexually attracted to your husband or to anyone in this situation? You've just been lied to and cheated on. And for as long as you, not only as long as you've been in the relationship, but you didn't know who this person was when you married them because they were already keeping a lie. So on some level, your whole marriage is a lie. And I don't mean to say that, it, you know, I just feel, you know, what I feel, feel for as your child, because to feel, to be in a situation where you're so distant from, the person who's supposed to be there right now to help um, help your life is just really frustrating and sad. But you're not going to have a sex life because, and there's a number of reasons. I I, don't, I know what CBT is, and that's good, but it's really good therapy, and it's the right therapy. Um, um, however, that's cognitive behavioral therapy, which has a proven record of working with addiction. Um, but the problem is, if it's CBT and this person's experience is alcoholism, or if it's CBT and this person's experience is really deeply in people who steal, um, it's not going to help. And, and, you know, our clients are tricky. You know, I, I actually, if I were treating alcoholics, I'd have to put myself in the mind of an alcoholic. Where would they go to drink? Where would, where would I go to get the drink? Where would I? And so with these issues, you know, if people don't have meaningful experience, they're not only not going to know what to do, they're not going to know how to probe it in a way that, um, that is helpful. So um, I, uh, here's one more. Uh, so I'm concerned about his therapy and I absolutely agree with you. Any, you know, it's so, when I hear things like, well, you know, my middle circle of masturbation is this because of that. And I just think, what a bunch of crap. I mean, either you, and I'm not saying that masturbation is bad. I'm not saying it's bad for him, but you know, right now in the middle of all this and, and, and when you're not being sexual and you're not being intimate. So the things I I just hit me right away is five months is really early. Um, I don't think what you're being told or how it's going with your spouse is what's really going on. I think you're probably things you don't know about. And I'm concerned that with this particular therapist, you may never get where you want to get. Um, Yeah. 
and there's and the baby. I just feel terrible about about that part. Anyway, Tammy, I've I've exhausted myself. <laughs> what no, I, I I really do agree, and because I'm if his what I hear is denial. Well, I'm putting this in my middle circle, no matter what, no matter how negatively it's affecting your relationship. So so to me, he's hanging on to he's hanging on to addictive behavior. So um, I really agree with the a CBT therapist that isn't trained for these specific issues, you know, has he been given, you know, the battery of assessments so that the therapist really understands what's going on. And if they are just a CBT therapist, they don't have the access to that. Well, so, and excuse me, Tammy, can ahead. they say the word masturbation? You know, True. I mean, a lot of therapists yeah. have no training in sexuality. Anyway, you really want, especially when your marriage and kids are on the line, you want to have the someone who is really doing their job. And we don't want to take that person away from you. But if you do need support, you know, write us. Um, Tammy, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I, I'm grateful that you have a, a, a support therapist who's qualified with this. So great, lean into that person. Um, but, you know, Dr. Rob talks about this all the time. Why would you want to have sex with somebody who you don't trust? And if he's fantasizing, if he's having sex with himself and fantasizing about everything else, you know, I, I can't imagine that you feel, well, you even said, I don't feel good about it. I, I forgot exactly what you said, but, you know, it's like, I don't feel, I don't, it, like you're, your sexual in, um, uh, connections don't leave you feeling wanted, desired, and good. It feels like it's more like, I'm going to try really hard to get this to work. You know, you're doing all the work. And I don't hear that about him. It sounds like he's checking off a box. I say this often. I'm checking off a box. See, I'm seeing my CBT therapist. See, I'm, you know, I've got porn in my inner circle, so I'm doing good, you know. Um, but yeah, there's... So one more thing, hopefully your CSAT therapist is helping you set healthy boundaries. What do you need for your safety, for you and for your kiddo? And, and I want to add something too, is like, you know, I think, and this is true for so many partners, when you don't have any clue that this person you love has been lying to you, when, when it just never, you know, when a lot of the things just came up a big, and you weren't expecting them, um, I think that many of you know that you've been having uncomfortable feelings for a while. And a lot of you will say, oh, you know, that person's working or they're busy or we just had a child or, you know, uh, you'll come up with many reasons to excuse this behavior because why would you want to look at it? Why would you want to say this person I love is hurting me? That would be the last on my list. Um, so I wrote down two things I think spouses uh, are challenged with. Um, one is that you don't trust yourselves and what you feel. And you're far too likely to believe the person is talking to you, even when it doesn't make any sense. Um, and I hear a lot of, well, now that I look back, how could that have been going on? And the other thing is on some level, I don't think, I think you guys are way too, you give us way too much permission. You know, it's very hard for spouses to stand up for what's true for them. And when you do, we gaslight you, we confuse you, we lie to you. We, you know, at a certain point, it's hard to know your own truth when you're getting so much of this from us. Um, but if you trust yourself and you set really good boundaries, as Tammy said, um, that's what your responsibility is to yourself. Um, let's keep moving. Okay. So the next one is in between uh, the other. I am a male addict in recovery since February. My partner and I recently started listening to a couple's healing podcast together. I feel that I am way more into it into it, interested in it, invested in it, and more attentive to it than her. I feel like she is not paying attention and drifts and dozes off during the podcast. Any advice on dealing with this? She chose the podcast. 
Well, I, you know, Tammy, do you want to start with that? I haven't thought about it, but I love, I love hearing you first. Well, yeah. So, so like, I, I kind of wonder if this, I mean, it's interesting that she chose the podcast. Um, good that you're paying attention and you're hopefully you're gaining skills to be able to do your relationship better, your life better. But I almost wonder if it's a defense mechanism for her. Like if, if it's like, like, I mean, February, great, but you know, here we are, it's December. So this is 10 months, you know, and partners that see, you know, significant change, you know, it takes them a lot longer. So, so I almost wonder if this is kind of like a little insulator for her where she's going like, you know, I need, I'm, I'm disconnecting because it's too much to even consider or even hope for. But, um, but I do think it's interesting that she chose the podcast in the first place. I guess I would also say, have you said, you know, I, I, in a nice, not confrontational way, but like, you know, what are your reactions to this? What are you hearing? Are you seeing tools that we can use, you know, to work on our relationship? Maybe it's a communication thing, an invitation for you to communicate, but not, I don't see you paying attention, but just invite a conversation. So that's my thoughts. That makes me feel bad because you have no idea how often I say to my husband, will you please pay attention? But we're not talking about these issues. I'm just saying it's about all about me, of course. <laughs> so there's a psychological piece to this, which Tammy, I thought, did a really good job. By the way, did you all know that Tammy does consultations and you can also I talk do. to her okay. privately if you wish to? Um, so anyway, I just wanted to say that because everybody wants to talk to Tammy. Um, so there's a psychological component to this in my mind. And there's also a what do I do in a couple to answer your second question. I, I, you know, I don't know her. Uh, Tammy's never met her. People have all kinds of motivations for doing what they do. So, you know, I don't want to undermine your relationship or either or devalue either one of you by making some opinion uh, that is really the truth, because I don't know your truth. However, all that being said, this feels to me very passive aggressive. It's kind of like fuck you, I'm going to make you watch this, but I'm, I'm just going to relax and take, you know, you're the one who needs the help. I'm fine. And so why don't, you know, it's, but rather than saying it, it's kind of like you fix yourself and I'll just, it doesn't, it feels like Tammy said, it feels like a message that she's getting a message to you, but without being direct. Um, whether the message is you have the problem or I'm so mad at you, I don't want to pay attention to intimacy with you, you do it yourself. I don't know. But I agree from a psychological perspective, there's something else there. However, from uh, advice in dealing with this, um, have you talked to her about it? You know, I mean, that, you know, have you sat down when you weren't fighting, when you weren't in the car waiting for the podcast and said, you know, there's something on my mind. I find this interesting and I'm growing and but I feel, and by the way, you might put it this way, but I feel really lonely doing this by myself. I feel really sad that we're not learning and on this journey together. I think you might want to invite her in rather than saying, why aren't you? It's more, and this is the truth. You want to, you want to share this with her. Um, and by the way, it is not your job to say, you know, I know I'm not a therapist, but I really think it must mean you're angry. <laughs> okay. Don't play therapist, but talk to her about what you'd like to see happen and how you feel. Um, that's really the best, the best answer that I think I can give. Or are you just listening to the podcast too late? I poop out and at right. time, you know, like <laughs> I was super busy yesterday and my husband was like eight o'clock. He was thinking I'm going to be asleep by eight o'clock and I stayed till nine, but you know, like there's just a certain time frame. I, you know, I'm good in the morning. I'm horrible at night. So, so maybe it's like 
could we listen to this at a different time so that we're not, or sit at the table and, you know, be interacting. Good morning. Yeah. I mean, is it, could you change the logistics? Um, but I, I think that's I love, a conversation too. Tammy, I love that you are pointing out the obvious, which is, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I'm married to a man who, and I've known this for 15 years, there's a moment in the evening when I, I call it, he clicks off, which means his eyes are open and he, he's pretending, but he's actually already half, I mean, I can tell that the bed is calling him. And so part of that is by reading, you know, when can I, that's the great thing about a podcast, by the way, you can do it 24 seven. So yeah, change the time, but tell her why, tell her why. Um, always, you know, the more you say, the better, as long as you're coming from what you feel. Yeah. Um, let's keep moving. So on. somebody shared a comment. Uh, Thank uh, you, Tammy, for the reminder of being baby steps. I hear you in my head. I'm sorry. That might be traumatic for you to hear you, me in your head, but thank you for sharing. So I also hear you. In <laughs> Actually, my head. I was going to say, Rob, I have whole conversations <laughs> with you in my head. <laughs> Actually. Okay. All right. What does the out of the doghouse? Oh, this is great. When, or when does the out of the doghouse? course begin and where do we find the link to register it's on seekingintegrity.com i will put it in the chat for you but if you're listening to this um via a recording uh then the group will start january 10th um it like sex addiction 101 or uh, porn addiction 101 um are six week courses 90 minutes live facilitated so you're not just watching videos um and they are specific uh, material depending on the topic so dr rob do you want to talk a little bit about what's going to be in the out of the doghouse and i will put the well, link i think open the link. if i had to put a one word on what doghouse is about it's about empathy um i have you know for a very long time worked with men who cheat or have cheated or sex addicts you know it doesn't have to be all the way to sex addict and i have to tell you in 25 years of being licensed tammy last when i say this i have never and i mean never encountered a guy who understood what what kind of pain a woman goes through well when she has children what kind of pain she goes to if she is betrayed we say we do and we feel bad but we don't feel bad. We don't understand how bad you feel. And so uh, us, I'll say men, tend to lead with candy and flowers and that vacation you always want. And I'll watch the kids more often. And, and, uh, and, but please forgive me. And it's been three months, you know. And that's not, your timeline for healing is not theirs. And they often don't know how to say or act in the ways that would help you understand that they they, they feel your pain. So um, I'll give you an example. When we do this, Tammy and I, and it's not just here in other places, I hear this. We, you guys write us this. You know, I think my husband is sober and I really believe he's taking care of his recovery, but why is he still such a jerk? You know, I hear that all, a narcissist, you know? And that's because we can work our way out of the addiction. And I don't think out of the doghouse is the first thing people should do. Uh, I think sex addiction 101, if you're a sex addict. And by the way, the reason Out of the Doghouse is such a popular book, in my opinion, is because men want women to forgive them. And it's a book about how do I get her to forgive me? But it's really more about let me explain what she's really going through. So anyway, the, the guys want to hear it live. We're going to give it to them live. Um, and hopefully they'll learn to be more compassionate towards you uh, a, little, a little bit at a time. Okay. So then the next one is... Um, I, hi, I've, um, this is from E. I've been 
in recovery since D-Day, May 2020. My brother was hit by a car last week and in the hospital with traumatic brain injury. Outlook is good. In the past, I would numb this out with pornography. And I'm trying to feel my emotions and share my pain and anxiety this time around instead of going to inner circle. My wife is supportive. And at the same time, this triggers her thinking, why am I more emotional now than when her betrayal was discovered? Could you please share any advice? Thank you. Wow. Well, you know, I think Tammy could state the obvious. Um, and I'll ask her to. So, Tammy, what, what seems very clear to you stepping back from this? Yeah, you are in a different place. What I hear is somebody who's actually working on their recovery. You're able to show up differently. The other thing is this happened. This, this is external. You didn't cause this one and you caused her pain. And so so there, there are similarities in all of this, but it's different. Um, you know, they're... I'm glad your the prognosis is good for your brother, but you, you know you show up in a different way for for other people. When you hurt your wife, then you're having to deal with all of that, and you had no recovery tools. You know it. it, it you know, hopefully I hear that she's triggered, but hopefully it's also I'm look I'm learning to tolerate my pain, mean and my struggles. I'm not perfect, but I'm working on it, and she sees you know, that you're making some progress and can be hopeful for how that will shift in your um, relationship between the two of you as well. So. Yeah, I, I, I would add that um, what happened to your brother, and I'm really, really sorry. I, I, I understand tragedy. Trust me. It is out of the blue. Um, you know, you're his brother, you're going to be devastated, overwhelmed, and incredibly tearful, or whatever it is you are, obviously upset. And it's a single incident. You know, this thing happened. You know, it's like it's like the sad drama and and pain that's going on in Kentucky. All of a sudden people aren't there anymore. And that's that's an immediate tragedy that's so easy to see right in front of you. But I was writing down that um, the effect of betrayal in a spouse goes on and on and on and on. It isn't like something happened and we're working to repair it. It will never go away on some level. It is a violation of the relationship that doesn't, that will never just disappear. And so actually it is more like your brother having that traumatic brain injury that is not going to heal. So I just think if spouses go through, so, and the other side of this, let me try the other side. Um, Cammie, how can I say this in a really respectful way? Um, I think when people are in pain, they make a lot of things about, uh, in the world about their pain. Um, they see, for example, people aren't treated well. They might see a lot more unfairness. People who th are through violence might, might notice and see a lot more. So what she is going through is going to, that pain is going to be compared to other situations. And, and there's one more thing. Um, our feelings have no time. So when I am devastated about the loss of a friend, I awe, and the sadness comes and the tears, they're actually tied to other people I've lost and, and other situations. It all comes together at the same time. And so um, what you are grieving is everything that's happened during this period of time and your relationship with your brother. It's just, just it's different. I understand that your spouse believes that it's related to her reaction or your reaction then, but they're different things. Oh, there is one more thing. I'm sorry. Could I go on forever or what? Yeah. 
Um, oh, no. Actually, go ahead. It's fine. No, I'll no, say no. It later, no, I'm no, sure. Please, no, please do, because, yeah. You can't go on forever. We have an hour, so you can't go on forever. So that was all my... Well, I think for spouses, it isn't just also this thing happened. It's them finding out that other things have happened that they didn't know about, and they feel violated in a way that isn't this just happened to me. It's more and more and more, you know, it's like free fall as opposed to um, falling and hitting the ground. But anyway, Tammy, that was totally worth not, not worth our time, <laughs> whatever I just said. Let's move on. Okay, so now the C, uh, go to that one. I've been digging out about myself and I discover that I may have ADHD. Is there a correlation with me being an addict? Do you have any data with this? This is such a great question, Tammy, because we actually have data on this. And I think Ken Adams talks about this when he works with no, the CSATs. Todd Love. Um, I did a oh. webinar with Todd Love and I will find the link on this, but yeah, ADHD is, there's a huge correlation. 20%. It isn't, Yes, I was going to say, it isn't that amount. everybody that has ADHD is going to be a sex addict or another form of addiction, but there is a higher correlation within, if you're an addict, you know, there's a little more probability with that, but it's well, super important to, to address it. Todd Love did the webinar, and like I said, I'll go dig that out in a minute, but he talked about the life expectancy of a male, this is research-based, is 11 years less or was it 13? I can't remember now it, the, if you're like untreated and, and d don't mm. attend, attend to this. So this is really important stuff. And a treatment center that would just go stop all of those meds, you know, is not. My handy either. person is now here. But okay. Let me say something really quickly. One second about this, which is ADHD is a disorder in part about being impulsive. Like I see this and I just go do it. Why did I do? Oh, now I'm going to do this thing over here. And so if you have addictive issues, it plays into it because not, it's harder to say, I'm not going to do this or should I do this? Because you're already banging across the walls with regular issues. So, okay, Tammy, I got to go do this. I'll be back. So I'm going to, so I just put the link to the webinar and I'm also going to find the, he did um, a podcast with Dr. Rob on sex, love and addiction. So I'm also going to put the link on, on that, but, um, but Todd, Dr. Todd Love. So we have Troy Love, who does a number of groups and webinars on our site. And then there's Dr. Todd Love, who um, is really an expert on the ADHD aspects. Um, that was a, a, an area of focus. So, so um, I've given you in the um, chat links to both of those, and you can check that out. Um, but I'm sure he's got all kinds. I mean, I think he wrote a dissertation about that or something. So um, he would be, so Dr. Todd Love would be an expert on ADHD and addiction. Um, but you'll hear both in the podcast and on the webinar link that I um, uh, uh, gave you as well. So anyway, um, so let's see. Hopefully those are useful for you. But addressing that, I mean, I have a mild form of it if you I won't show you my desk but if you saw it it's like I had to learn coping mechanisms I have post-it notes I have reminders I, I had to do those things in order to be able to you know manage life as successfully as I can at the moment um, but it's you know I those are tools that I can use and lean into but that you know they're 
for some medication, um, we, we've had clients where they needed that foundation of medication just to put them at an, the ability to you know, stay focused. And I don't remember the correlation. Um, there was some, some clients have both ADHD and OCD. Uh, so, you know, getting a qualified professional, not your just general GP doctor, getting a true um, analysis of that, particularly from someone who understands addiction, because otherwise, you know, if you're using the addiction and they don't know about it, you know, that's a problem too. So hopefully um, those are all useful. Uh, someone says, I need research. Uh, I need, oh, I read research articles that found that the effects of addiction on the brain results in attention issues. Hmm, that is interesting. And I would say that is true. And I think we learn in recovery you know, to settle in, like the one person, uh, you know, shared too, you know, settling into being able to tolerate emotions, particularly I, I see with gaming and um, porn addiction, because, because there's so many images and it's so fast, you know, that it changes, you know, things. So it's, it's more difficult, you know, something like alcohol, you know, is more of a sedative. So, so I'm not sure, you know, but I do find often um, and this is just my experience, so no research on it, but uh, that, you know, people are looking to self-medicate, you know, it's, it is why, you know, some people are using, um, you know, whatever chemical or whatever form of addiction they're using is to, oh, I can focus on porn, you know, I, I stay focused on this, so that settles my ADHD in a maladaptive coping, maladaptive coping mechanism way, so. So is it possible with a person whose wife doesn't understand his grief, he is feeling emotions now rather than acting out? I Possibly, but I think it's probably not able to understand how he's able to do this for in this situation, but a year ago or whenever is, you know, well, he's learned more and it's different it, I because mean, they are different. So... Thank you for listening to this episode of Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction. If our words have led you to seek help, please reach out. You can always find us at www.seekingintegrity.com.